You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. We are so used to putting ourselves in the box and labeling ourselves like, I am Solange and I'm a dancer and this is what I do for a living. Well, guess what? Corona came and I lost my job, but I'm still me. And I might have moved country and I'm still back home and I might have changed direction or I might have changed my job. But the power of why my purpose is still the same. It's just it this has a different channel, but still doing the same job. Mm-hmm. And that's I feel like the hardest part is is for a lot of people letting go. And I feel like if there's one thing I really learned because I've been traveling so much and doing so many different contracts and living in so many different places, I really got good in letting go. I really got, I was able to practice to not just identify myself with this one house or this one place or this one person or, you know what I mean? And I feel like if there's one thing we can get out of this year is realizing that you are still you, no matter your job or your position or your money or your partner or, yeah, it's, it's, it's learning that you, you can let go of something, but still that doesn't mean you're less you. Hello, hello, it's Naomi here. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Why podcast, where I talk to creatives and founders about their purpose and how they navigate living on their own terms. As you know, I also package these episodes into show notes that break down the conversation, provide links to resources and people that we mentioned in the episode, and very practical ways to explore yourself and your creativity. So make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. I've dropped the link in the description box. Enjoy this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi and today I am here with the incredible and the very beautiful Solange. Solange, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for you to be here and share a little bit about your journey and your story. And for a little bit of context, Solange is a a dancer, an author, a model, an all-around artist. And she was born and raised in Amsterdam, actually. And she has roots in Carousel, which is an island in the Caribbean. And she started dancing when she was really young, you know, which led her to going to the Lucia Martha's Institute of Performing Arts in Amsterdam. And, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns on your journey, for sure. Yeah, everybody, right? (laughs) (laughs) And in 2011, you graduated as a dancer and as a dance um, instructor. So you obtained this degree in dance, and then you would go to these workshops all over the world and really, like, bring your dreams to life, essentially. So, yeah, thank you for being here. If you could share a little bit about how you grew up and what your origin story was like, that would be awesome. Of course. Well, I grew up, like you said, in Amsterdam, uh, born and raised, like I would like to say it. Uh, my mom is from Holland. She's from a province a little bit above Amsterdam. And my dad is from Curaçao in the Caribbean. And my parents, they met during college. And um, after college, they both moved to Amsterdam. I grew up with just my mom in the beginning because my parents got, they never got married, but they got separated uh, just before I was born. And um, I grew up in Amsterdam with a lot of love, a lot of friends. I feel like my city vibrates um, in Dutch, we say gezellig, a lot of gezelligheid, which is kind of like cozy and fun and good vibes and feelings. So if I think back about how I grew up, um, 
I don't really feel like I have a lot to complain, to be honest, because I received a lot of love from my mom and my family. And my mom has a big social circle, so from her friends. And I still have like a lot of people in my life that were children from my mom's friends that feel like cousins and family, you know. So even though my dad was not much in the picture or basically not in the picture until I was like a, like a teenager, um, I don't feel like I lost out on love. And then on top of that, my um, my mom fell in love again a few years later. So that this new man in my mom's life became like my father figure. Like you said, I started dancing when I was four years old. And um, I kind of just danced once a week. I always danced in free time, like in the living room or in the car. If we went on a holiday and there was like a, a creative night going on, I would always be like, I want to be part of it. So yeah, once I was like 10 or something, my mom was like, if you really want to be a dancer, we need to focus more or you need to focus more on really getting proper techniques. Because right now I was just doing like, I don't want to say skip across the floor for like one hour a week, but it wasn't that serious, if that makes sense. So then I auditioned for the pre-college of uh, Lucia Martas, which meant every Friday and Saturday I was dancing all day. I learned like ballet, tap, modern, hip hop. We had acting and singing classes. Um, and then I did that for five years, which was actually, for me, it was a lot of fun because I love dancing and I really... I just really enjoyed finishing high school on Friday and then going there and then like have my new family, my weekend family there yeah. um, and just dance the weekend, all weekend. Yeah, that's kind of what I did until I was 16 and then I did audition for the for the college, the dance college. Yeah. And I did audition there, but also at a different one because I've, I was like, I just want to, I just want to try everything. I want to try all the schools, not just the ones in Amsterdam. And then if none of them work out, then I can think of another way if dancing might not be for me. But I didn't really want to think about that yet. So I was like, I'm just throwing it all out there. I'm doing all the auditions. And then hopefully one of them wants me. And my main focus was on the one in Amsterdam. And I got it. That's amazing. Yeah. How, how crucial was it that your mom saw this thing that you love to do and was like, let's figure out how to make this real what I what I loved about about my mom is like we always had music in the house so because there was always music like all day long from morning to evening from evening to morning like I don't remember ever having a quiet moment in the house and because of that I was always dancing so it was it was really a house full of music and dance all day long and I think because it was already like that at home I felt a lot of support. I didn't feel like, oh my God, you want to be a dancer, but it's not a real profession. Or like, you know, so many people have all these opinions and questions and judgments. But my mom, she did say like, be aware that it's a hard path and it's not secure. My mom loves security. So it's the opposite of what she would probably like to do. But I did feel support and she did also teach me to focus on 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 the worst case, not focus, but be prepared for the worst case scenario, you know, like... She, she definitely supported me in my steps, but she also she has like two feet on the ground and she's like, if that doesn't work out, think about what maybe could be a plan B or what else are your, the things that you like to do. Or I feel like I, feel like I, I had both sides. I, I got excited and motivated to, to make this jump into this unknown world, but then also I felt safe and grounded enough to realize that it might not work out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I see that often of, especially in the, in the early days when children have so much energy and they want to be in movement and touching everything and, and just playing essentially. Yeah. Um, but for you, did you, cause you started dancing so early. Um, yeah. Did you ever, did you have role models of, oh, this is something that I can turn into a full-time career? Well, I didn't really necessarily have role models in the dance industry, to be honest, because in Holland, if you really, I don't know, but in Holland, I feel like if you really want to be a professional dancer, it's not like you can, you can make the money and do it in America. You know what I mean? So I was very aware that if I was going to do this in Amsterdam, which was my first vision, it would be a lot of freelancing, a lot of job here, job there, job here, job there. And yeah. then also, if you are professional and you're on the top, it's a different top than in England or in America, you know. So I don't know. I, I feel like my role model to dare to be bold and to do it was actually my sister. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a dancer on my mind that I would. Of course, I saw people that inspired me that I was like, I want to be like the Janet Jackson dancers. I want to be like the Beyonce backup dancers. I want to be behind Usher and all that stuff. You know what I mean? That was an inspiration for me. But the role model, like my big sister, she she was 17 when she moved to America to be a model. And when I, at the time, I was, I was 13. So I was like, oh, by the time you're 17, you can go to America and do that. You know, I thought you were going to be grown up by then. So seeing my sister doing that so young, made me think, well, if she can do that by herself and and go into this new world in a different language and make it happen, then I'm sure I can make it happen for dance. Mm. I do think, I think out loud, but I do think that it's important to have somebody in your circle that can inspire you to do stuff like that. But I don't think it necessarily has to be somebody in your profession, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, I totally understand that. Absolutely. Because I think it definitely comes down to that persistence and these skill sets and attributes that don't really map to a specific industry if you know what I mean and that really transpire across professions whether you're a lawyer whether you're a dancer whatever it is exactly Um, and then when so we're recording this in August 2020 uh September 2020 sorry my head is still in summer (laughs) me too I'm in denial (laughs) because you're in the entertainment space so you, you know, the dancing space, being in entertainment and music, that sort of thing. You're actually yeah. on, on a world tour with an incredible yeah. uh, musical artist. So can you talk a little bit about, I guess, your move to the U.S., what that whole journey was? And, you know, it wasn't easy, but you, I think you learned a lot in that period. Oh, my God, I learned so much. Like, I, I've learned mostly that I think I'm secretly addicted to the struggle. <laughs> like that, that first of all, because it was not an easy path. And yeah. I learned also a lot about that journey that whatever I want, I have to do it. Like I came from Amsterdam. I didn't really speak a lot of English in high school, like not, not much at all. So that was already a really big block for me to, to make that step and go there and go to a country that I might not be able to get myself, you know, to, now now that I have to talk of English, I can't speak English anymore. No, but um, I feel like I, yeah, it always goes like that. I feel like I don't know. I I when I finished when I finished college, sorry, I went to a cruise ship 
cruise ship contract. And this contract kind of opened the doors for me in so many ways. Like I, I learned how to be more comfortable in speaking English. I made more friends around the world. I, I created a bigger network and that all helped me with the next steps to actually go to America and try to apply for my visa. And even though it wasn't easy because it came down to networking and socializing and finding people that believed in me and trusted me, but mostly I had to convince them to believe in me. So I had to believe in myself first, you know, because otherwise you cannot convince somebody to do that if you don't vibrate the same energy. So that already was a big process for me to say, no, I think I can do this. And I think I, I'm, I'm valued like that. And I think I can, I can just own it. That was the biggest, the biggest challenge for me to literally face my own fears and face and stand in my own, I don't know, confidence and say, hey, can you help me? Because I think I'm good enough. I think that I can work here and I need somebody to believe in me too. So that that has been a, I mean, I'm saying it now in like two minutes, but that has been a process for like two years, going in New York and leaving New York, saving some money, going in New York, leaving New York, emailing people, going on coffee dates, and then finally don't hear anything come back um, or people are saying no, or I'm sorry, we're too scared to help you, or we don't want to get involved with the government, or I don't know, there's so many reasons why people say yes or no, that it, it was very frustrating at, at times. And I sometimes, I did, ch I did question myself, like, is this what I want to do? Is this really worth the struggle? Is this really worth the sacrifices and all the money spent and the insecurity and the, the unknown? But yeah. something inside of me did say, yes, it is, because I really think you can do it. And then it becomes, it becomes an addiction almost like, man, I told myself I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove to myself that I can make it happen one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that kind of happened in a two year frame. And then the fun part about that is that by the time I actually achieved my visa and I actually was ready to make my dreams happen, I realized that for all the jobs that I wanted to be in America, I had to live in LA and not in New York which was very, I don't know, it was very confusing to me because people did tell me already up front, why are you not going to LA? I think it's a quicker way. I think you can make more things happen. Or I think, um, you know, the reason why you want to go to America is here and not there. But something about New York, I just love that city and the energy and the people. And I, I don't know, I feel like when I walk through the streets of New York, I'm like, oh my God, the sky is the limit. I just want to live here all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So it was very, it was very, yeah, confrontational, I think, to realize that by the time I was finally able to live in New York, I made it happen, but then I had to kind of have to go to LA because going to New York but not doing the jobs I want is not the reason why I went to New York. Right. So yeah, it's it's been a process because then by the, sorry, then by the time I, I went back to Amsterdam when I got my visa and I was like, man, am I really going to do this? Am I going to move to LA and start all over again? And I just, I just didn't feel like doing it. I just, after all the hard work, I was like, it doesn't feel right anymore. And I didn't do it for another year until after a year, I was like, you know what? It's still an itch. I worked so hard to get here. I am going to make the jump and just try. So in that period, you actually went to Germany, right? Yeah, exactly. I got another job. I got I got through friends in Australia, a job offer in Germany. And I was like, well, maybe this is a sign. Because at that point that I actually got the job offer, I was really, really lost. 
And also at the time when I got this offer, I didn't know yet if my visa was going to get approved. So I was like, this is a sign. Maybe I should just go to Germany. It's closer to home. I was a bit homesick at this point. Uh, I didn't really have some money, so I really needed a job. So yeah, I went to Germany. And then in Germany, when when I felt the confidence come back and, and, and I just felt better about myself and my choices, I felt ready to to give LA a shot. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I didn't know if that moment would come though. Like when I went to Germany, I was really in a space of, you know what? It took me two years to get this visa. That is an achievement on its own. And if I never use it, then I just never use it. That's okay. You know, I proved to myself that I made something that felt impossible for so long possible that if this is my path of just being in Germany and then moving back to Amsterdam, then, then that's it. Mm -hmm. because it just it just didn't feel it just didn't feel right for a very long time to go but then everything changed <laughs> and so you have a book we haven't even touched upon your book yet yes no oh, good. there are so many running themes that even listening to you speak right now I'm like oh my god this is bringing up a, a lot and I think the biggest thing right now is both how do you living in the gray essentially yeah. on on one side where it's yes I have to go a hundred percent on what this is and what I believe my path is and then yeah. on the other side also the patience and not really attaching yourself to that outcome and realizing okay like if that doesn't work then I'll be okay too yeah um how were you thinking about that in the moment not in hindsight. Using my book as the example or more like in the past when I was still in Germany and in LA? Just how do you live in the gray? Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. in the gray um, well, I think it's also my experience taught me that, where, that I have to go with the flow because I've realized that no matter it's a gray area and I have a lot of question marks because believe me, I have them a lot. Um, I do believe in a certain flow and I do believe in a certain path. So whenever I, I see, cause I, I kind of see everything as a sign. It's, it's sometimes annoying to people because let's say if I'm at the grocery store and then, um, I'm, I can't choose between bananas and apples and someone says next to me, Ooh, I love bananas. I'm like, well, there's a sign. I'm gonna get <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how I do everything in my life. Like the moment I'm second guessing or not sure what direction to go to and someone is giving me good vibes or bad vibes. I'm like, well, I guess that's not the right path or that's the path. And right. that's how I make my choices. So kind of like being in between jobs and then being pretty lost at the time. And then having a friend who says, Hey, I might have a job for you. I'm like, okay, that's it. I have to go. I have to take the job. And then sometimes it doesn't always work out. Right. You know, sometimes you're, you're somewhere and you're like, man, this is so not me, or this is so far from who I want to be. Then I quit, but then at least I know I gave it a shot and it's very easy for me then to move on. It's very easy for right. me to be like, okay, clearly that was not for me. What else? Instead of not doing it and then staying in the gray, not making any choices and then wondering, maybe I should have done that. Oh, what if I did that? I don't like, I don't like to, li to live with that. I'd rather just do it. And then if it doesn't work out, then screw it onto the next. Mm -hmm. I mean, screw it. Of course I say screw it, but sometimes it's, it's painful and it's frustrating and you're full, you're full of questions, but it's, it's better for me to just do it and then figuring out if I like it and then, and then going from there. Mm -hmm. 
Because and, and, in in that space of not knowing and, and feeling lost, yeah, it's still a decision not to make one, right? It's still a exactly. decision that you're making not to try this or try that. So well, I always say people, I always tell people, like you always have a choice. You always have a choice. Like no matter how good or bad your situation is, you have a choice. And and if it's a bad situation, if you're if you're in a negative bubble, you still have a choice to let the negative negativity affect you. Or to go, you know what, this is all horrible and this all sucks. And you do have to sit in it, you know, you have to feel it and you have to, you have to, I, I don't like when people just act like it's not happening and then going through life because at one point you're going to bump into a wall. So I do believe you have to sit in it, but then you have to give yourself a timeline and you have to, you have to remind yourself that you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You still have a choice. And do you want to? Do you want to answer that choice with positivity or you want to sit in your own pity and then just the whole world is gray and everything is, mm. I, I, every day I wake up and I go, okay, what's my decision today? I have a choice. I can stay in bed. I love staying in bed. You know, I have no problem with that. But in the end, is that going to make me feel good by the end of the day? Am I going to be proud of myself? Am I going to be happy that I stayed in bed and did nothing? No, I won't. I, I know that I get energy from being proud of myself or being around people or achieving stuff. So that 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 gets me up. It's so funny, but I actually came across Solange Cruz. So yeah. you recently oh. documented, <laughs> you <were laughs> documenting your journey from, I think the one I read was September 2018. And yeah. You were in Texas and you yes. were on tour and dancing. And it was so interesting because you were recounting how you were going from like city to city, always on a plane. And yeah. again, this theme of movement came up, like yeah. movement with dance and like how you felt growing up and like being at home. What was it? for people who don't have context on that type of life, yeah. what was it like for you? And how did you keep yourself grounded with everything that was going on? Um, good question. Um, I, I think, first of all, I love traveling. I love dancing and I love being around people. So I know a lot of people that would probably look at that life and be like, oh my God, hell to the no. I don't know (laughs) how you're dealing with it. But for me, it gives me like, it gives me so much energy. I feel like I'm myself. It, I feel alive. I, oh, I've always been busy. Like even as a kid, I was like Monday dance class, Tuesday, gymnastics, Wednesday, soccer. Like I always, I always was a busy girl. And then even now as a grown-up like even even if i have no job and nothing planned i'm still busy because i i go to this friend and then this family and this friend so for me going and jumping in planes and and having to run between arenas and working out and then get a little bit of sleep but then still want to sightsee and then still go out and party at night it's just it's who i am so it it really i feel like it really fits my personality mm-hmm. and then of course sometimes you need a moment to yourself or if it's because it, it does take a lot of energy from you, you know, especially performing. And then you see the crowd and it just gives me, it gives you so much adrenaline that yeah. even in the days that you're tired, you're like, wait, what? Where did I get that energy from? Like, I, it's like a magical nature coffee and Red Bull in one. But um, I don't know. It's, it, it really filled my soul to just to just perform and, and jump. And, and I, don't, I don't know. I just like to see people happy. So even when life is crazy and busy and, and it is overwhelming at times and like 
all the travel days are not always like beautiful and amazing. Sometimes you do have a three hour layover and you have to wake up at 4 a.m. and that night you have to perform a show or stuff like that. Like you do sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I just want to be in bed for the next four days. But then as soon as I see all these people that paid the money and have their smiles on their face, I'm like, well, they're only going to get this once. So I just got to kick ass. Like, and then by the end of the show, it gave me so much energy that I'm like, all right, who's ready to party? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I always tell people, I know that life is not for everybody, but it definitely was for me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, if you are a very introvert person that really needs a lot of me time and have your own space and just that's the way you you heal and and basically like that's your plug then this life might be a lot for you but my i always say like the way where i get my energy from is people is dancing and the sun and we were literally in beautiful places always around people and i was dancing every night so for me it was magical Mm. yeah that's why I think the self-awareness piece is really important. Absolutely. When you're, when you're choosing your path and you're exploring yeah. and figuring out what's out there, it's like, so what do you need? What do you need yeah. to fuel you? Fuel you? Yeah. And that's the same with any job, you know, like yeah. I, I, I work now in a, in a, in a bar at night, but I love it. Like I love it because again, I make people happy. People come to me. I can give them drinks. I can order them food. I can give them a smile. And by the end of the day, it is kind of the same job. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole different city and a whole different perspective, but I still go home and I'm like, you know what? I feel good because it still fits with my personality. And that's again, the self-reflection Do do your own like Self, like, I don't know, your own searching of like, what is it that makes you happy? And what is it that gives you energy? Because that's, I believe that's the bottom rule of everything. What gives you energy? Mm-hmm. What makes you want to wake up and get out of the house? What is it that you go to bed at night and feel proud of? That is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that feeling that you got, that feeling being in company with other people, making them yeah. smile was, was the parallel. And I yeah. think that just reminds me of when we talk about purpose and we talk about finding or creating meaning through your work, it doesn't, at the end of the day, I don't really think that it matters exactly what you're doing, but it's that underlying thing that you just described for you. That's what it is for somebody else. It's going to be different, but there's so many ways to go about, you know, creating purpose in your life. Well, I also feel like purpose is such a big word, you know, because If people ask me nowadays, like, what is your job? What do you do for a living? I'm like, you got a minute? Because I don't, I can't even put myself in a box right now to even say that because I, I worked in hospitality when, since I was 15. I've been a dancer since I was four, a professional since I was 16. I've been a dance instructor, a fitness instructor, uh, a model. And now I'm on the way to become a life coach and I'm an author and I'm like, in the end, those are just labels, but it all comes down to the same thing. It all comes down to I'm doing something that makes me happy because I am able to teach other people something, no matter if it's happiness or or just enjoyment or if it's a skill mm-hmm. or if it's a mindset. It all comes down to me being able to help other people. Mm-hmm. And because of that reason, I'm happy too. And, and if I have to put it to dancing, like... I love dancing. I do that for myself, but the, the the energy and the reaction I get, that's what makes it even better. And the same is with writing. Like I wrote my book in the end for myself. I wrote it because 
it was lockdown and I was like, what am I going to do with my time? And then it kind of became a little bit of a healing project too. And then now, like even today, I had two people calling me saying, oh my God, I went through this and this today, but the words of your book helped me so much. Or even another girl, she, I made a playlist for my book and she was like, all week people are telling me, man, you're so happy. And she's like, it's because of Solange's playlist. It puts me in such a good mood. So it all comes down to the same thing. Right. It does. Mm-hmm. That's that really is the power of your why. Yeah. Ultimately. Because everything else that you described and the way that you created that for yourself and other people was just the medium, and that can definitely exactly. change tomorrow, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's that's the the biggest lesson of this lockdown and and this pandemic and the crisis is we are so used to putting ourselves in the box and labeling ourselves like I am Solange and I'm a dancer and this is what I do for a living. Well, guess what? Corona came and I lost my job, but I'm still me and I might have moved country and I'm still back home and I might have changed direction or I might have changed my job, but the power of why my purpose is still the same. It's just, this has a different channel, but still doing the same job. Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like the hardest part is is for a lot of people letting go. And I feel like if there's one thing I really learned because I've been traveling so much and doing so many different contracts and living in so many different places, I really got good in letting go. I really got, I was able to practice to not just identify myself with this one house or this one place or this one person or, you know what I mean? And I feel like if there's one thing we can get out of this year is realizing that you are still you no matter your job or your precision or your money or your partner or yeah, it's, it's, it's learning that you, you can let go of something, but still that doesn't mean you're less you. Hey there. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the conversation, make sure to share it with a friend, take a screenshot, spread the word. It really allows me to bring on more incredible guests as we continue to level up in the podcasting space. Uh, so good because this is actually, I, I don't know if you talk about it later in your book, but I think I've read like the first 70 pages of it and it's oh, nice. amazing. And you didn't explicitly say this, but it was like, I felt it when I was reading your book yeah. was just this, this power of realizing that you come back to yourself. Like when you go home, you're coming back to yourself. You're not going back to your, you're not coming back to your job. Like that could be gone and out of the way, yeah. but you need to make decisions that really align and are going to help you sleep at night. Meaning, exactly. and for, for me personally, that means that I did things on my own terms, right? Like I didn't betray myself in exactly. whatever decision or action that I take. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about this idea of removing labels and, and just getting rid of ego? Well, getting rid of ego is, I think, the biggest challenge of life that we all face every day because, I don't know, I feel like whatever situation you're in, your first response is is responding with ego because you want to be like, well, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know, you know, you know what I mean? That's the first response. But then if you take that away and 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 kind of go, but why is this affecting me? Why am I so upset about what this person is saying? Or why am I so upset that I lost this job? Or why am I so upset that this person betrayed me? Did it really have to do with me? Or did it have to do with them? Did it have to do with their perspective of their own and their label and that's now you know now it's ego and ego 
But if you if you go back to yourself, like this is why I love to go back to Curacao because besides that's a beautiful island and, and you're in the Caribbean, it also, I literally put my feet in the sand and I go, this is real life. I don't need much. I need the sea and the sand and myself. And I'm just as important as when I'm on a stage and there's 60,000 people in front of me. It's mm -hmm. exactly the same. And once you realize, I think it's also, my lesson was the same with the money situation like i've had money and i've not had money like there have been days in new york that i literally did not was not able to buy myself food and thankfully i worked in a bar at night and i was like all right at least i'm eating tonight because i'm going to work but that you know what i mean like having situations of that and then being on tour and literally sleeping in a hotel and waking up with breakfast and having food mm. it's such a different life but it's still me i have not changed in either situation and and experiencing both sides made me go, well, no matter what, with or without this car, with or without this job, with or without this person or this status, I go home with myself. And if I'm not comfortable with this, then that's what you're sending out. And then I have to fix that because if I'm not comfortable with this, I'm always going to respond with ego. And when I respond with ego, somebody else is challenged to respond with ego. And then you get ego, ego, ego. So I don't know. I... I learned a lot from traveling by myself. I learned a lot from struggling by myself. And also part of that is having an ego and not wanting to tell everybody my own struggles. So, so that's, that has been an intern challenge for me. And then learning that, that, I don't know, that you value yourself and that you, I think part of letting go of your ego too is when you achieve stuff, you feel proud when you had a good day you look in the mirror and you're proud of yourself and when you feel comfortable with yourself and feel proud you don't care anymore what other people say or think because in the end i do know we're not all supposed to be friends and i do know we're not all having the same mindset you know what i mean so i feel like once you are proud no matter what people say but are proud of yourself of what you do and what you achieve your ego will move automatically i i strongly believe in that because I don't feel like there's one way to practice letting go of the ego, but it just happens when you, when you get comfortable with who you are. And when you get comfortable, you get authentic. Mm. And when you get authentic, the whole world opens up, you know, because then it's just you and people, people love seeing you for you. They don't want to see what they already saw. And that happens when the ego moves. Like it, yeah. It's a, I can talk about this forever because it's such an interesting topic because I feel like I can now see easier on other people than myself because that's how life works. I can see when people respond out of ego or not. You know what I mean? What I mean, but also for myself, in the moment, I cannot always see if I'm responding with ego, but it happens very soon after that. Like if I have a situation and jump back on my bike, on the bike, I'm like, man, Solange, that was not you. That was your ego trying to prove a point because the you... The real you wouldn't give a shit. You know what I mean? They would just be like, it's okay. That is your problem. You're just reflecting and mirroring your problems right now on me. And that's not on me. Mm -hmm. But because when the ego is in the way and I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm getting better at it. But of course, once in a while, you're like, Ugh. that that was just the ego talking. But yeah, it's, it's part of the process, I guess. It really is. Yeah, and I think a big part of almost like playing with your ego is knowing when it's there, like when it's yeah. present, right? Yeah. And, and also realizing that it's not you, the same way that yeah. you are not your thoughts either. 
Exactly. But also even noticing when your ego is talking is not bad. You know, that's actually a really big step. It's actually reflecting on yourself and realizing that that was your ego and not you is the first step in letting go of the ego. And it just means when you realize your ego is talking, it just means like, you know what? That means I got some work to do. But step one is giving it a name. That was my ego. Okay. That's still not me. I learned a lesson today, tomorrow, a new day. Also, one of the things I tell people a lot of times is don't be so hard on yourself. Like if you realize your ego is talking, which is natural, we all do it. Don't go home and be mad at yourself. Like, why did you do this? And if you realize that that was your ego, that's a celebration on its own. You know, as long as you don't make the same mistake twice, it's like, wow, okay, that was, that was something else. Now I know that that's still inside of me. I got some work to do. I have some, some things to figure out. But then go to bed and, and tomorrow's a new day. Mm-hmm. And as you say that, I realized when I said getting rid of your ego, that's yeah. like, it's not something, it's not work that you do once. You figure exactly. it out and oh, no. it's gone. Like, <laughs> well, that's the same. That's the same because now you, you got me something. It's the same <laughs> I say about inspiration. You know, it's like in the same with ego, you cannot do a job once and then assume that the rest of your life you're fixed. You cannot do something once and and just think that the rest of your life you're going to be motivated to do this thing. No, every morning you have to find new motivation, new inspiration, new new books to read, to learn, to step away from your ego and to to be inspired, to be motivated to start the day. That's not that's not a one thing job. It's like every morning. And it just depends on how far you are in the process. If you need five minutes or if you need an hour or if you need four hours, you know what I mean? Or even at night, like some people prefer to just sit on the bed and reflect at night. It doesn't really matter when you do it, as long as you do it. Mm-hmm. And, and the more you do it, then it, you become better at it. And then also it becomes like brushing your teeth. You know, you, you, you reflect, I think self-reflection is the, the, beautiful most beautiful thing in life because you learn so much about yourself and about others like i love talking to my friends about situations we've been through positive or negative just to learn from each other and to even to point each other out like my friends and me we're very honest to each other and i love that because if they don't do it who else is gonna tell you you know you're absolutely right in terms of making it a practice and at the beginning of um when we started self-isolating It was really difficult in terms of the habits that I built and like the life that I was living. And then I think it took me like two months to get back to me. And a big part of that was um, because I hadn't worked out since quarantine started. Like I hadn't been meditating. Like I literally everything went out the window. (laughs) You're not alone, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, what did I, what do I need right now to to get back to Naomi and the two things that I landed on were uh, meditating in the mornings and and exercising just like getting a sweat in it's true it brought like I'd never been more in tune with like how my body was feeling and I'm like okay these are like really the building blocks of a solid practice for yourself yeah and also I feel like Cause I'm the same. I literally did. I, I meditated more in um, lockdown, but I did not work out at all. But I also realized also coming back of the life, I just came from tour, right? Where everything was busy. And I did was at a point that I was like, maybe I should make some more time for myself because I always say I don't really need it. Like I need an hour and I'm good. 
blah, 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 blah. But then by the time like lockdown happened, I was a little bit in a space of, you know what, maybe it's, it is meant for me right now that I'm taking this time for myself because I'm always on the go, on the go. And for me, I feel like there was such a big, big healing situation going on for me just by being with myself because I'm always around other people and it, it definitely feeds me. But I never realized that being by myself and taking the time to meditate and to write would feed me and heal me so much. Yeah. And, you know, you wrote this book in how many weeks? Six weeks. <laughs> Six weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy. What was your yeah. process like? So can you actually, because we skipped over this, but I think it was really important. Like when you were in L.A., and the tour was canceled. Yeah. You, there was like a very short time frame of you yeah. like deciding to go back to Curacao. So can you describe what that was like? Well, then pretty quickly for about two weeks, we were like on and off. We were supposed to do a show in Argentina, got canceled. Show in Bolivia, got canceled. I was based in LA, and then at, after like I think it was March 14 or something. Oh no, I remember March 12th because it was Friday the 13th that I flew. Uh, March 12th, I got an email from my agent who said, yeah, I'm sorry, the tour is canceled. And then I'm basically, my brain was like, okay, I don't have a job. Um, at the time, I didn't have an apartment in LA, which actually helped to leave really quickly because I was traveling so much. I was only in LA like two nights a month that I gave up my apartment and I just stayed with friends. So being there, I was like, okay, what is my plan right now? What am I going to do? And I asked my agent, do you think there's going to be any work coming up? And she was like, I have no idea. Like, like nobody knew at the beginning of the year how long this is going to be or any, anything. So I said, okay, I have no control over anything. What do I have control of over? And then I was like, I have control over where I want to spend the next few weeks. And then I asked myself, where, where are you the happiest when everything is falling apart, basically? And I was like, I'm the happiest when I'm home in the Caribbean on the island. So then I basically texted my sister and I said, I'm coming home. I texted my dad, I'm coming home. And four hours later, I booked my flight and the next day I was on a plane. Yeah. So it went really quick and I think it actually saved me. It saved me because... There was no, there was no question marks of like, what am I going, of course I had question marks about what am I doing in my life, but putting myself in a situation that I knew the situation is going to make me happy already like let go of so much sadness. And because I could have cried about losing my job or not getting the money I, I was counting on, or I was supposed to go to amazing countries and then all the experiences I was losing out on, I could have had a full and pretty party if I wanted to, but I in the last few years, I trained my brain to just straight away focus on the, on, the, on the positive. And the positive was, well, this means I can be in the beach for the next six weeks. So, <laughs> how good with it? Right. Yeah. And then what was it? Two days later, the borders closed. Yes, exactly. So that also, it proved to me again, like in the moment, even, even my, my old boss, she was like, are you sure you want to leave LA that quickly? What if things change? And I said, no, it feels right. It feels like this is what I want to do. And I, I live my life with what feels right. If it feels right in the moment, okay, let's go. And then a lot of times life shows me that I made the right decision because in moments like this, when the border closed two days later, I was like, man, if I waited two days later, this yeah. would not have been an option. 
and I don't know where I would be and then probably there wouldn't be a book. <laughs> and can you talk a little bit about your process for writing the book? What was it like? Because it's pretty, it's pretty long, Solange. So. Yes, it actually was longer. I, I, I did some cuts here and there. Um, but yeah, it actually went really natural. I was actually reading the blog that you were just talking about because I was a bit bored. And, and then I was like, mm, maybe maybe I should just start writing a book now. I always had a, a dream or an idea about writing a book one day when I was like 60 or 70 and in retirement and I would talk about my life. But then I thought, well, maybe I'm, I never have this time. There's no one telling me to go where, go there because it's not possible. I don't know what else I'm going to do with my days. Maybe this is the, maybe life is telling me that this is the moment. And I kind of didn't overthink it. Like I had this conversation with a lot of people not knowing how to write a book actually helped me because I just did it. I was just creative. I didn't think about the rules or the build up or how you're supposed to do things. I just did it the way I wanted to write it down. And, and because it was so natural for me and it was my own process, it went really quick. Like I made a, I, I wrote the intro just for the feeling. I was like, what is the feeling I want to go for? And then I wrote the intro and I was like, okay, I think the feeling is clear. And then I wrote my, my tools of life down. I kind of just wrote down some things, how I deal with life, just as in like trusting your intuition or just going with the flow, um, believing in yourself. They're tools, you know. I, people say believe in yourself is not a tool. It is one of the biggest tools for me because you have to believe in yourself to do something. And then with the tools, I started making mind maps and use examples out of my life where I specifically used this tool or practiced this or learned it. And then I just started writing. And then I have to say, I knew my lockdown, my strict lockdown was going to be six weeks. And I know myself, I'm a social butterfly. So I said, as soon as that border is, goes open or as soon as the, the restaurants go open, I know I want to be there. So it kind of, in a healthy way, pushed me to make it happen in six weeks. But I didn't force myself to write. So it was not like I woke up at nine and I had to write. No, if I didn't feel inspired, I didn't write. But then sometimes at four in the morning, I would wake up and be like, oh my God, I need to talk about this. And then I started writing. Mm. So because of that, it was a healthy deadline with a natural push. And, and it just went really, really, yeah, easy. The writing part actually was not the hardest for me that the hardest part was everything after, like figuring out how to get it from my laptop into a book. I really wanted a publisher, but then I realized I needed to get a publisher. I needed to get an agent. And then to get an agent, I needed to go through this system. And I was like, no, I really want to publish this book this summer. I don't want to wait another year. I don't want 20,000 people to have an opinion about it and read it first and then maybe put it together. And then I'm like, nobody that I don't really care about is going to be slowed down for another four months. Yeah. So then I said, well, if this is going to be it, I'm just going to do it myself. And then figuring that out was the biggest challenge. But again, one of those moments that I look in the mirror at night, I'm like, man, you did that. You did that by yourself. Like, of course, not by yourself, because I had people that helped me all over the world. Yeah. But to making, I made the decision for myself to do that. That is... For me, 2020 is, is not a year of standing still because, again, you have a choice. You chose to turn it into another opportunity because mm. life doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. You shouldn't stop either, in my opinion. Life definitely doesn't stop. And yeah. there, I think there's, a, there's something to be said of knowing what season you're in. And if right now you need to walk, 
walk. <laughs> if yeah. you need to run right now, run. Like you have to listen to what your body is telling you and what you're exactly. And that's why, like again, what we just said too, it's the same principle of what this person is doing doesn't mean you have to do that. You need right. to go inside and figure out if you need to take this time to not do anything because you're just overwhelmed and your head is all over your emotions all over. You're not in balance. Then that's what you need to do. If that means you need to stay in the house for four months, then please do it. You know what I mean? Like everybody's different. Although staying in the house for four months, I don't think is necessarily the answer, but you need to do for yourself what works for you. And then that will get you further. It doesn't really matter how quick you get to the next step or how long, because if that next step means then that that needs to be done, then that's just the process you need to go through. No matter what, there's no cheating. There's no going around. There's no skipping because you're always going to come back. Mm. So you ready to sit in it and release the energy you need to release instead of just putting it to the side, then go sit with yourself and, and figure it out. Mm. That's so good. I wanted to read something to you because I, Lupita Nyong'o, she wrote something after Chadwick Boseman passed away. Rest in peace. And it was so beautiful. In this piece that she wrote, she said, uh, Chadwick was a man who made the most of his time and somehow managed to take his time as well, right? That he had this higher frequency and was fully present when he was with you, that he was purposeful. And the message that Lupita left at the end, almost like a promise for how she was going to lead her life was to, that she was going to take her time with things, but not waste her time. And I think that's so freaking powerful. Um, And it's It's literally, you led beautifully into that. So can you talk a little bit about it? Well, I feel like, I feel like that's literally about living in the moment and being present. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it comes down to you have to be in this moment and not rush through it because then you're not taking the time. You're not in it. You have to be fully committed and in it to, to experience what you're doing. And then it won't be time wasted no matter how long you're, you're in that process or in that moment. But if you, if you pass through life without actually realizing what's happening inside, outside of yourself, you will look back and you it's like it's like you know when you're driving and and you are somewhere else in your head because you think about your grocery list you think about all things you have to do and then you go home and you're like oh my god how did i come home like i don't remember the road at all it's like the the best example of how not to do life (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i feel like with we're driving we're driving our bodies right now we're just a car we're exactly like the car we're driving our bodies and you have to look around you have to be in a moment you have to be in that car and sometimes you even need to stop the car and get out of the car and check is the car cool is the car okay okay then we continue driving instead of being in the car but not being there you know you you have to be present in the moment because i don't know i feel like life is going so quickly and i write about this too in my book like i i hope i have a long life to live we we don't know you know but i, I hope i have a long life to live and then all that people have of me is memories. It's not the things, it's the things you say, it's how you make people feel. You can only make people feel a certain way if you're in it in the moment. There's no way that I can touch somebody if I'm saying this, but not looking them in the eye or not in the moment, because you're not touching people that way. You're not touching yourself either. You're not, you're just wasting your time. I made a conscious decision um, when my nephew passed away when I was really younger 
I, I was 11 and my nephew was only six months. And I never really understood that you could die as a kid. Like I, I saw people die around me um, already from early on, but I never really, I don't know, never, I thought that happened to grownups and seeing, seeing someone in your family pass away that young, it just switched a, but, a button in my head. It, it made me realize, whoa, I thought I, he was going to live longer than I do. And then now he only lived six months and then wait, but I'm only 11. And like, does it mean that I can die tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? Like my whole brain just went, ee. and then I made the decision. I'm not going to waste my time because I've learned now that I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And of course, my nephew, he had a disease with his heart. So it's not like we're all just going to not wake up in the morning, but it changed my, my perspective on life in a, in, a, in a big way. It really did. It's crazy because I, I, if people ask me, like, why am I so committed to living my life? <laughs> it really is because I know that exists and I'm not scared of it, but I, I'm not ready yet. Like, there's so many things I want to do. I have so much love to give. I have so much, so much of the world that I still want to see and, and spread around. So I'm just going to do everything in my power to, to make the best of time. And when I'm with people, I'm the same. Like, when I go on vacation, I go 100,000% in. And when I go a night out, believe me, I'll be the last one on the dance floor. And when, when I'm still, even when I'm at home watching on the couch, I'm 100% in the moment. Mm-hmm. But not even in the movie. I'm in the moment with the person I'm with because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm laying with this person in the movie. I don't even care about, you know what I mean? Like, I just train myself to, to not take life for granted. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story, Solange, so openly. And I'm, I'm so happy that you put this book out in, mm-hmm. in a time that, you know, you didn't really expect, like this is a plan that you had for later yeah. on. But I think that's a testament to, again, like living on purpose and yeah. just doing things as they, as they come. Yeah, and when they feel good, you know, because mm-hmm. I also feel like life is challenging already so much that you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Like when I go the hard way, there's an easy way. And easy way is a lot of times doing things you like to do. Like I feel like in in our our age of time, there's a lot of people that have burnout, a lot of people that aren't happy. And I don't think it's because we're scared of working hard. No, I feel like this generation can work really hard, but that just means in my opinion, you're not doing things that feed you or that make you happy. And if you feel like that, then you get a burnout because you're going against against your purpose. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. So my biggest, I don't know, my biggest choice, I guess, is trying to to stick to what makes me happy and what feeds me and gives me energy. No matter the challenges, because believe me, they are there. Right. Yeah. And the final question, I guess we can talk about, I've stopped asking what's your why, because as you mentioned at the beginning, it's I felt a couple of weeks ago that it was a very limiting question that like, who, who would think that we are only here for one reason? Like, I don't know, that really, that resonated with me deeply. And so what I've started to ask now is, what are you curious by? What are you looking forward to? What I look forward to, um, I guess, I find it, I find it hard to just also say one thing but I think I guess opportunities I am curious about what other opportunities are gonna come in my way so I can jump on it mm-hmm. because I feel like there's opportunity everywhere when you open your eyes for it and just as little as I'm like 10 years ago I started to dance on cruise ships and I created this this network all around the world and 
two years ago or something, I said to somebody, you know what? I wonder why, power why, I wonder why I know all these people. There must be a reason being like this. It's not a lot of people in the world that I know that have such a big network like I do. So what is the reason? And then now having the book and seeing that my book is being read for all over the world, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's the why. I don't know. You can fill it into your own, but I'm filling it in like this because this way it makes me happy. I don't care if that's the truth. It's my truth. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I guess that in that way, I'm curious about opportunities. I'm curious about to see what other amazing things are going to come my way because I truly believe there's so much more possible than than we can imagine, than we think mm -hmm. of. Because even this right now, I could have never imagined this for myself when I was teenager no wow. way wow thank you thanks again and thank you for having me honestly my pleasure and we met only a couple i think at this point it's about a month from yeah. naomi who introduced yeah. us as well so for people who want to connect with you what's the best place for them to do that they can of course buy my book on my website which is www.salarnshinsi.com And then my Instagram or my Facebook is all Solange Zinzi. And I actually think I'm the only person in the world that's na whose name is Solange Zinzi. Really? So when you put it, honestly, like when I put it on Instagram, I never have to put a one, two, three or <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And always when people put in my name, they put Solange Z-I-N. And then they're like, you're the first one popping up. So, or of course, my book is called Solo Jump. So when you put in Solar Jump Solange on Google, I'll be the first one on the top. Beautiful. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yay. We'll catch you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find the show notes at naomihiley.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to The Power of Why on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I look forward to you listening to next week's episode.